0: Well, obviously, as a historian of colonial rule, I'm going to have to wade in here and say that the impact of colonial rule on the continent has been seismic. It's been immense and it's still being felt today. It's been like a historical tsunami. Now, you've only got to look at the boundaries to see that um, the legacy of colonial rule is pretty much intact because there have been very few boundary changes in the last 50, 60 years, which is extraordinary when you think about how those boundaries were so arbitrarily set up in the beginning. And they often consist of very straight lines, which is rather suspicious. However, Many colonial officials at the time and looking back will insist that actually the legacy of colonial rule in Africa was fairly minimal and they would like to indulge themselves in a kind of light touch view of colonial rule. If you think about the way in which colonial states inserted African economies, African polities into the world system at terms that were fundamentally unfavourable to um, Africa, that exploited its resources and also Set down, I think, one of the most important uh, toxic legacies. Set down a system of governance that was highly arbitrary, it favoured certain regions over others, um, it was not uh, democratic, it didn't tolerate opposition. And of course, all these governments were fundamentally racist, so they were built on the politics and the cultural practice of exclusion. But it's not just colonial rule in itself that is such a damning, uh, toxic legacy for Africa. I think equally as important, equally as seismic in its impact, would be the manner in which colonial rule was let go of. And in many cases, it was very violent, it was very protracted. So it meant that African nationalism had to fight tooth and nail to get uh, independence. And that had a very damning legacy then for um, post-colonial states, because often those nationalist movements felt very entitled to the post-colonial state, couldn't tolerate opposition, and had really been forged together, you know, in um, war. And so we're much more used to uh, dealing with opposition in a very brutal way. So colonial rule, I think, has cast a huge shadow, both in terms of what it actually did and then how it actually let go. In terms of the contemporary, it depends on who you ask with regard to legacies. Now, many um, Africans would say, look, colonial rule was such a long time ago and so much has happened since, it's been pretty nasty. We actually you know, don't feel it had such, such a great impact. And they're sort of slightly romantic about it. Of course, they're not romantic about the memory of racism, But for many African rulers, they still feel quite bitter about that uh, colonial past, uh, particularly about the racism. And you've only got to look at the popularity of figures like Robert Mugabe, recently elected as chairman of the African Union. And you can understand why, for African leaders, he is the sort of daddy of the liberation movement. And for many African leaders, he can do no wrong at all. And I think that says it all, if you think about his... uh, His reputation on human rights and poor governance, the fact that he has become such a hero, I think, tells you all you need to know about um, attitudes to that colonial past. The Cold War has a massive impact on Africa, not least because of the way in which it coincides and it embraces the end of empire. The Cold War in some ways speeded up decolonization, which was a good thing, particularly in parts of Africa that had been ruled by Britain and France. But in other areas of Africa, particularly areas of white settlement, like South Africa and uh, today's Zimbabwe, the Cold War slowed down decolonization because white settler minority rulers could argue that actually they were fighting against communism. So it has a disastrous um, impact in many, many ways even in those areas where the cold war speeded up the end of empire and we have new regimes the cold war also had an amazingly big effect with regard to the kind of politics that emerged So we could lay at the foot of the Cold War the development of dictators, the one-party state. And so you've got classic Cold War uh, rulers like Mobutu in Zaire who drained that country, a very rich country, of its fabulous um, resources. Then again, the end of the Cold War. Well, you can look at that and say, my goodness, look at the impact of that. Because by the late 1980s and the early 1990s, you have, of course, the end of apartheid. Partly as a consequence of the end of the Cold War, because the South African white racist regime could no longer argue that it was fighting against uh, ANC as a communist group. You also then have a moment of leverage after the end of the Cold War, where Western governments say to African leaders, why don't you kind of do something good, give them a bit more democracy, take more notice of human rights, it's time to do the right thing. And so we see some shifts um, in the uh, one-party system. However, the Cold War and its ending also opened up a huge amount of conflict. It unleashed uh, enemies that had been suppressed, unleashed um, grievances. And so you see then in the early 90s, huge areas of Africa engulfed in the most horrendous conflict. Sierra Leone, for example, sees the the, the use of child soldiers. Uh, We also could see the Cold War playing out um, in other areas. We've got the Cold War playing out also in Somalia. We have the end of Said Barre's authoritarian regime. But of course, in the vacuum post-Cold War that's created in Somalia, then you see the establishment then of um, supporters for Islamic courts and you see the development eventually of these shady fundamentalist terrorist groups like al-Shabaab. So the impact of the end of the Cold War is still being felt today. I personally don't think there is a new Cold War unfolding in Africa between the US and China. If the US is engaged in a Cold War, it's come about 10 years too late uh, to the battlefield because China has bought up so many of the futures of um, oil markets, of minerals, um, other precious goods that, that Africa has. But, uh, you know, the U.S. is, is really dragging behind. Uh, China realised very early on that there was a potential for massive uh, market expansion here, with Africa having the most fast-growing population in the world, the largest population under the age of um, 18. So the U.S. Um, is a little bit late uh, I think also US and China, although they have interests there, both their interests are really threatened by um, similar things. So they've got the um, question mark of poverty in Africa. Will actually these markets ever be realised? Because who are, who is out there to buy all these goods? Can Africa really you know, raise itself up? And also there's the issue of security. There's huge challenges to maintaining stable market conditions in uh, East Africa, uh, in uh, West Africa. Also, we've got uh, problems in um, South Africa um, as well. So I think where there has been Chinese investment, um, they are going to be quite worried about um, the future. There's some huge challenges currently facing the continent which have huge impact on the international community. One of them is environmental. Huge amounts of Africa are being deforested, the effect of global warming means that there's massive amounts of migration, pastoralists can no longer survive um, on the desert areas that, that they try to eke out a living. So migration, and we see that of course with what's happening in the Mediterranean now. The West will also have to decide what is it going to do about South Africa. It's looking like things are really hotting up in South Africa. What is it going to do if there is a push to get rid of the white community there uh, and violence um, erupts? We've also got a problem of uh, Islamic fundamentalism, which everybody knows about. So in areas like Nigeria, where there is a weak state and there is an inability to pass down the wealth of that state, to marginalised peoples, poorer groups, so um, you haven't got... um, more equitable um, resources being uh, parceled out. You've got a huge problem of the appeal of Islamic fundamentalism in areas like Nigeria and also Somalia. And of course, Somalia is very heavily linked with London and recent um, terrorism. The uh, man who was convicted of beheading Lee Rigby was allegedly on his way to um, al-Shabaab. Uh, Likewise, we've got Jihadi John also was trying to cross the border from Kenya into Somalia. So these diasporas are very well connected. And so Africa is not a continent out there. Africa is here and now. And how we deal with resource inequality in our world today is a question for us all.